Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we have the latest from the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon as defending champions Algeria made a shock exit at the group stage with Ghana going out too. We speak to Black Stars fans in Accra. Our players, they are lazy. They are lazy. Lazy. That's coming up shortly and also we hear from Senegal and Chelsea goalkeeper Edouard Mendy on winning the Best Men's Goalkeeper Award at the FIFA Best Awards and lots on the English Premier League too. Well, the group stage at the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon has been simply stunning. Who would have thought that Algeria would go out at the group stage with Ivory Coast beating them impressively 3-1 on Thursday? Nigeria went through in style with three wins from three and the Gambia, Malawi and Comoros are all through to the round of 16 for the first time. Sierra Leone went out but they had superb draws with Ivory Coast and Algeria and lots to be proud about. And the Gambia going through in style with a stunning late winner as they beat Tunisia 1-0 on Thursday night with a goal from Ablai Jallo. So the draw for the round of 16 on Sunday, Burkina Faso playing Gabon and Nigeria taking on Tunisia in a big game. Monday, Guinea play the Gambia. Chance may be for the Gambia to make the quarterfinals. Cameroon, the host, will play Comoros, one of the surprise packages. On Tuesday, Senegal up against Cape Verde and Morocco play Malawi and on Wednesday, Ivory Coast against Egypt in a big showdown and Mali will play Equatorial Guinea. Well, Ida, which teams have stood out for you in the group stage? Well, Ivory Coast definitely stood out because what a game, what a win against the holders Algeria. And Steve, I don't think one can go without mentioning the likes of Nigeria and Cameroon here. The Super Eagles with a 100% record, the only team actually in this tournament to qualify for the next round with a perfect record. Six goals in three matches. And I mean, we have teams like Senegal, for example, that yes, have qualified for the round of 16, but having scored what, one goal only? So, yeah, I'm going to give credit where credit is due here. <laughs> uh, looking at the indomitable Lions, I mean, what a tournament they're having at home. And Steve, I won't be forgetting, at least anytime soon, the fact that after so many drab 1-0 scorelines, remember that, you know, that had characterized the first week of the Afghan, Cameroon were the first really to give a show. It was that 4-1 win over Ethiopia, I believe, that really, really lit up the tournament. And actually, if you think about it, was the precursor to some of these sensational scorelines that we've been seeing since. Uh, Comoros, definitely been impressive. Steve, the Gambia as well, have showed that there are certainly no pushovers. Both these teams, remember taking part in their first Afghan. And I'll single out Malawi as well, through to the round of 16 for the first time in their history. Drew with last edition's runners-up Senegal, beat Zimbabwe 2-1. And Steve, I think all in all, the 24-team Afghan, and especially in uh, the latter stages of the group stage, has proven a lot of people wrong. 
Yeah, it really has been an incredible, incredible group stage at the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon. Uh, let's go back to one of the biggest upsets ever at the tournament as Comoros beat 10-man Ghana 3-2 on Tuesday in Garwa. Now, Comoros were there for the first time and they put up a fighting performance. El Fadu Ben Mohamed scored and won the Man of the Match award. He spoke to CAF Media. Yeah, we are uh, proud to make this uh, result, you know, because uh, when we play the first two games we want to make something and today we we play our football and uh, this victory is uh, for all our fans and uh, I'm proud of uh, the team. Uh, we hope that uh, we can uh, qualify you know but uh, if uh, we not qualify so uh, we can be proud of us and uh, I hope that uh, we can continue like that and we will see in the uh, next uh, African Cup. Uh, this victory is for you and uh, continue to support us. I'm very proud of uh, Everybody, and this is also for my family. As El Fadu Ben Mohamed of Comoros dedicating the win to the fans, they'll play the host Cameroon in the round of 16. Uh, so for Ghana, it was an embarrassing defeat and a disastrous tournament. They had captain Andre Ayew sent off early on in that game. They came back from 2-0 down to make it 2-2, but only a win would do, and they were caught on the break as Comoros got the winner. Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yawson spoke to fans in Accra in Ghana. Disappointment is clearly an understatement to describe the feeling among football fanatics here in Ghana. But what makes it much deeper is that yesterday history was made, but one that most Ghanaians would never want to remember again. The Black Stars exit from the ongoing Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon with just a point is the worst the team has performed in their 23 appearances at the Binal tournament. And football fans on the streets of Accra could just not hide their disappointment in the Black Stars. I knew this was going to happen. In fact, at best, if we had even progressed from this group stage, we were going to crash out. So we no longer had the quality we had probably prior to even going to South Africa 2010. And since then, it's been downhill. Obviously, what happened to us yesterday was definitely going to happen. My surprise was how it happened. I didn't expect Comoros to be uh, undoing. So that's where my pain is and the humiliation they're in. You couldn't have done better because you put out stinkers right from the one against Morocco when you struggled to create decent opportunities. You couldn't defend the world, elementary defending, and against Comoros, it was the worst outing I've ever seen of the Black Stars. I'm not really expecting much from the authorities because it has always been about people's interests. This team uh, is, is, is not a strong team, especially when you have players like uh, Jordan Yu. Jordan how can you play 40 matches in the EPL, scoring one goal as a striker and we've been called to the national team for, as a leading striker? How? It doesn't work like that. You can't do this in uh, Brazil national team, England, English national team and those things. If you don't have form, they don't call you. The team is not good. Me, I saw it coming before the, events, the, the tournament even started. I was expecting them to win against Comoros because it was their first time. It was a must-win match, but then the Ghanaians lost. I'm really disappointed. Our players, they are lazy. They are lazy. Lazy. They don't want to kill themselves for, for, for the country. You see, their mind all is about money. My name is Betty Yorton reporting from Accra, Ghana.
Well, thanks, Betty, and lots of emotions there. Um, so, Ida, what did you make of Ghana's early exit? And uh, bearing in mind that they are still in the running for a place at the World Cup later this year, uh, with the final playoff round coming up in March. Well, it's interesting you should say that, Steve, because this is the same coach who guided the Black Stars to a place in the World Cup playoffs. Now, remember that Ghana were a point behind South Africa in the qualifying group. That was when Ryavach came in, but he took them to three wins and a draw. That was in four games, basically ensuring they topped their group. Now, despite that... Interestingly enough, as you've heard from the fans themselves in Accra, is they still weren't convinced, you know, with many of them saying that they saw this long before the Nations Cup kickoff in Cameroon. And another interesting take from the fans there is their lack of trust in their authorities, Steve, because the Ministry of Sport in Ghana has asked for a meeting with the Ghanaian FA, you know, to basically explain, you know, this disastrous performance. And uh, the Black Stars arriving in the country at uh, 3 a.m. Thursday with what many believed was, you know, basically to avoid questions didn't exactly make matters better. And over the last few years, if you really think about it, it does seem that Ghanaian football in general can't catch a break, can it, Steve? I mean, it was the football scandal that so then uh, GFA President Kwesi Nyantaki resigned to the normalization committee with their Premier League suspended to this, their worst Afghan performance ever. And Steve, this goes beyond the coach who, by the way, has said he will not resign, it goes beyond the IU brothers. This is a systemic problem, and the country needs to rebuild. Back in 2016, for example, when uh, Nigeria failed to qualify for the 2017 AFCON, I mean, the headlines were a mess, you know. It was disastrous, but look at the team now. Definitely stronger. I'm not saying perfect, but definitely stronger playing as a unit, and a local coach, you know, who seems to understand the team better. Now, once again, not to say that everything is perfect, because I'm sure if you talk to the fans, they'd probably say that, you know, there's a lot to be done still. But the team is inspiring hope, at the very least. That's much more, you know, than can be said for the Black Stars. And uh, looking at the current state of uh, Ghana, well, if you would guess that this is a country that got to the quarters of a World Cup, you know, and a country that won the FIFA Under-20 World Cup a little, you know, more than a decade ago. So who knows, Steve, maybe they needed to hit rock bottom to actually look up and ahead. Yes, tough times for Ghana. We'll see if they do qualify for the World Cup amidst this crisis. Thanks, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport, to Senegal's goalkeeper, Edouard Mendy. Uh, now, Senegal haven't impressed as yet at the Nations Cup. Uh, they did finish top of Group B with five points, but their only goal was a penalty as they beat Zimbabwe 1-0 and then drew 0-0 with Guinea and with Malawi. Well, goalkeeper Edward Mendy missed the first two games after testing positive for COVID, but he had good news this week as he won the Best Men's Goalkeeper Award at the FIFA Best Awards. Uh, Mendy had won the Champions League with Chelsea. This year's awards were performances from October 2020 to August of 2021, and he spoke to FIFA Media. I feel really proud. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great thing uh, today. 
and uh, yes, I'm really proud for for me, uh, my family, my club, the fans uh, all around the world. It pushed me to to keep going. What does it mean for you to have written a very important page of African football? It's an incredible thing, and uh, uh, I just try to to do my best to to, to work hard every day to, to perform with my my team in the the club and uh, the national team. And uh, yes, I try to to be the best for 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 them. And you are at the African Cup of Nations with Senegal. There is so much important things to reach out there. So, how is the situation with the Senegalese team? Our expectation is to to do the best, to to give the, the best uh, on the pitch, to to try to to win this trophy. Because uh, yes, of course, we we play for for win this trophy, and uh, I think we are ready, and uh, we we try to do our best. That's Senegal and Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy speaking to FIFA Media. Remember the outcry when Mendy didn't make it to the 30-man shortlist for the Ballon d'Or last October, Ida? Uh, there's some recognition for him this time. Steve, Mendy's work speaks for itself. I mean, 19 sheets on the way to that Champions League. And he also won the UEFA Super Cup with Chelsea. Also, and I'd like to imagine, you know, after the outrage that came with that Ballon d'Or situation, very justified outrage, it does seem that the suits at the top listened. You know, the two awards might not be associated to the same bodies, but the people at the top definitely took note. It's interesting, though, that uh, despite beating out Donnarumma and Newer to the top, Mendy somehow missed out on the fifth Pro 11. You know, very, very interesting, though it is said that the best 11 is voted for by fans, players, the coaches and a FIFA panel. But, you know, still very interesting times. It's an amazing achievement for Mendy, Steve. Any way you look at it, you know, becoming the first African to receive the award and to get the announcement while at the Afghan with his teammates, you know, must have been an experience on its own. I mean, the videos doing the rounds on social media, you know, showed the Taranga Lions celebrating Mendy. And the tributes really flowed in, you know, top of which I would like to point out Ian Wright's shout out, which was beautiful and even more importantly, highlighted just the importance of such a trophy to people watching from back home. Steve, Edward Mendy is a revelation, not just for how brilliant he is on the pitch, but for how he handles himself off it as well. Yes, he's done so well. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League, as Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel says his players are exhausted. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. In the blog section there, Planet Sport Football Africa's Russ Bravo looks at dealing with the consequences of our mistakes how footballers and all of us make mistakes and how to deal with them in faith. And a reminder that as Passion for Sport, we're bringing you a daily show on the AFCON. It's called Cameroon Roars. You can listen online and on various radio stations and also on our app. That's a Cameroon Roars every day throughout the Africa Cup of Nations. 
Let's go to social media now. We're posting a question every day on our social media pages throughout the Nations Cup, and with a roundup of some of the comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu. Yes, uh, thanks, Steve. We've been uh, talking about many issues to do with the Africa Cup of Nations. We asked, uh, can Algeria break the world record as they moved to 35 games unbeaten, uh, just two games short of Italy's world record of 37? Most people thought that they would, uh, but Aya Kebi in Sierra Leone was spot on. Aya said they are not going to do it. They will lose their next game. And he was correct as Algeria lost 1-0 to Equatorial Guinea in a massive upset. We also asked, do Senegal have what it takes? Africa's top-ranked side were tipped by many uh, to win uh, their first Africa Cup of Nations title in Cameroon. Uh, But the Teranga Lions are yet to impress at the tournament. So we asked, are they looking like potential champions to you? Labide Dennis said yes, but Meg K. Ezi, we in Kenya, said no, not with the way that they are playing. Bolong Baji in the Gambia says Senegal have the desire, but they have not shown it in the way that they play. And Purity Henry in Nigeria said no, Nigeria's Super Eagles will be the champions. And we also talked about why are some of the big names not shining at the Africa Cup of Nations. Riyad Mahrez, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah went to the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon as three of the biggest names, but they have all been below their best, along with some of the other stars with big clubs in Europe. So we asked, is it tactics, the weather, exhaustion, lack of commitment or something else? Asai Kuba Dumbuya said, I believe it's the weather conditions in Cameroon. Mr. Lecturer in Nigeria says, African football is tougher than in Europe. Abi Quadri in Nigeria says star players always shine at the knockout stage. This is Africa, says Musa Ba in the Gambia. It's not always easy playing in Africa. Saint Daniel Nduka in Nigeria says you wouldn't expect Salah to outplay everyone like he does in Liverpool when there's no Henderson, when there's no Mane and Fabinho. Same for Mares. This is African football. Zone XB, Kenna Lepe in Botswana said, it's because of men marking on these big players. Thomas Akon Mensa in Liberia says, it is the ways of the club team and their coaches. Because of that, they are not playing well in the Afghan. And finally, we asked, what do you think about Ghana's group stage exit? As Ghana's 3-2 defeat to Comoros was one of the biggest upsets ever at the Africa Cup of Nations and knocked out the Black Stars. Sideko Suno from the Gambia said, This year's Afghan is full of upsets. I wish my country, the Gambia, will also do the same. Football is on the pitch, not on paper. And congratulations to Comoros, said Sideko. Mohamed Sisoko Kamara Jr. in Liberia says, The coach needs to be changed. Sheo Ahmad Tijan in Nigeria says, It's lack of tactics. And Bakari Tamba in the Gambia says, Ghana themselves are the cause of their early exit because they don't play collective football like the small nations are doing. And some of the players are short-tempered and react too much to anything that happens on the pitch.
Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Do follow us on social media for discussions on the Africa Cup of Nations. There are lots of news and updates there too. On our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Also on Twitter, we're at Planet Sport FA. And you can WhatsApp your comments to us on the Africa Cup of Nations anytime on a plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. You can give us your thoughts any time on the AFCON. Now, as well as the Nations Cup, there's a full round of English Premier League fixtures on this weekend. I'm joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Chelsea Tottenham on Sunday is the big one, and it's been a tough time for Chelsea, held to a 1-1 draw by Brighton midweek, having lost to Manchester City last weekend and surely out of the title race now, with manager Thomas Tuchel saying that the fixture schedule is just too much, Stuart. Yeah, the last month has been a struggle for Chelsea. You know, as you say, they played twice in the last week, losing to Manchester City and then drawing at Brighton. And they're now 12 points behind Manchester City. Well, while Chelsea have reached the final of the League Cup and progressed in the FA Cup, their last seven league games have resulted in one win, one defeat and five draws, and the draws are killing them. Tuchel spoke to BBC after the Brighton game and said... We look tired because we are tired. Look at our schedule. Look where we've come from. We struggle with it. And when you're tired, mentally and physically, you lack focus. It's been like that since November, he said. And when the team plays and plays and plays, they feel it. We need to deconnect and recharge the batteries. Well, we do play more games in England than Germany. Tuchel is German because Germany only has 18 clubs in the top division. And we have two cup competitions. And unlike most European countries, we don't have a winter break. In fact, Christmas is the busiest time of the year. But having said that, Chelsea have a first-team squad of 44 players. And what about Manchester City? They've been playing the same number of games as Chelsea, and they've won the last 12 that they've played. So I don't really have that much sympathy for Thomas Tuchel. Chelsea Tottenham on Sunday is intriguing. They know each other well, having just played in the last month the two-legged League Cup semi-final, with Chelsea having won both games. So perhaps Tottenham would not have chosen Chelsea as their opponents uh, for this weekend. It's going to be an interesting game, that one. And Everton hosting Aston Villa on Saturday. Interesting fixture with Everton having fired manager Rafa Benitez and Villa's new signing, Felipe Coutinho, making a fine start last weekend, Stuart. Just five months ago, I was talking about Everton's appointment of Rafa Benitez as the new manager. And if you remember the context, Carlo Angelotti decided to go back to Real Madrid and Rafa came in with lots of experience into Milan, Real Madrid, Valencia, China, Premier League, he had had six years at Liverpool, four at Newcastle, one at Chelsea, very successful at Liverpool winning the Champions League and very popular at Newcastle. But of course the big question was how would Everton supporters take to a man who had spent six years managing their city rivals Liverpool? But in the end it was results that proved to be his downfall. Everton are currently in 16th place in the league table, just two places above relegation. They've lost 10 of 19 games and have scored only 24 goals in 19 games. But their recent form is even worse than that, with only one win in the last 13. 
six points from the last 39. And as one journalist put it, they're sleepwalking into relegation. And the last straw was the defeat last weekend by Norwich City, bottom of the table at the time, and with only two wins all season. So now the former Everton legend Duncan Ferguson, who was assistant to the last three Everton managers, finds himself in temporary charge for the second time. Where did it all go wrong for Benitez? Well, I understand that he has a tendency to micromanage. Some people feel that his coaching style is outdated. The defence always looked fallible to set pieces. Everton, in fact, played 22 games this season in all competitions and conceded the first goal in 16 of them, meaning they were always catching up. But the blame doesn't rest just with the manager. Everton are owned by one of these foreign billionaires, Farhad Moshiri, who's described as British-Iranian, and he's about to appoint his seventh manager in five years. One thing which is completely impossible to understand is why Benitez was allowed to spend $40 million this month on Nathan Patterson from Rangers and Mikolenko from Dinamo Kiev just over a week before he was fired. So, this coming weekend, Everton at home to Aston Villa. Well, that means that Filippi Coutinho is returning to Liverpool, the city where he had five excellent years with the Reds. He only got 23 minutes on his debut for Aston Villa against Manchester United last Saturday, but boy, did he make an impression. United were two up when he came on. Coutinho created a goal for Ramsey and then scored the equaliser himself. So I think he'll be likely to start for Villa and will relish being back in Liverpool. How Everton do under a temporary manager remains to be seen. Yeah, indeed, and a great debut that uh, for Coutinho. And now, Stuart, there was some controversy over the postponement of the Arsenal-Tottenham game last weekend. Uh, Tottenham claiming that the rules were not applied correctly. The current rules are that clubs can only request a postponement if they're unable to field a team. But at the time when Arsenal asked for a postponement, they only had one player suffering from COVID. And as you say, there's a feeling that some clubs are bending the rules, trying to get postponements, not because they can't field a team, but because they can't field their strongest team. A total of 21 games have been postponed in the last month. And some people feel that the Premier League has just been too weak. And to give you an example... Leeds United have had lots of injuries this season, but have just got on with it. And they've given opportunities to their youth players. Whereas, I mean, Arsenal were very quick just to ask if they could postpone the game. Today, I've heard that the Premier League has acknowledged this and said that the rules will be tightened up and enforced more strictly. So I think it may be the end of these easy postponements. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, you've been taking a look at the picture at the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the Championship, Stuart. Well, yes, there were some very significant uh, games last weekend. Norwich City's win over Everton not only ended Rafa Benitez's reign, but lifted Norwich off the bottom of the table. Newcastle United led Watford until the 87th minute when John Pedro equalised for Watford, leaving Newcastle second from bottom and Watford still outside the relegation places. But what is really concerning for Newcastle is that they've now dropped 21 points from winning positions this season. Burnley are now bottom, but they have been hit more than any other team with postponements due to COVID and even snow. 
In fact, Chelsea have played six more league games than Burnley. So Burnley may be in a false position, but equally they have a lot of games to play in a short time to catch up. Fulham have gone top of the championship, five points ahead of Bournemouth and Blackburn Rovers. And they are in the most amazing form at the moment. Fulham's last three results were 7-0, 6-2 and 6-2. 20 goals in three games, really quite remarkable. There were two really quite exciting games in midweek where Pat Sundaka scored for Leicester City. Now, didn't we predict that he might benefit from teammates being away at the AFCON? Anyway, Leicester led Tottenham 2-1 five minutes into stoppage time when Stephen Bergwin scored two goals in two minutes, the 95th and the 97th, and Tottenham won 3-2. Then Manchester United won 3-1 at Brentford. United's first goal was scored by Anthony Alanga. Now, we've talked about him before. Anthony was born in Sweden when his father, Joseph Alanga, who played 17 times for Cameroon, uh, was playing professional football in Sweden. Well, United went two up, and Ralph Aranyak, perhaps remembering how United threw away a 2-0 lead against Aston Villa on Saturday, substituted Cristiano Ronaldo and brought on an extra defender, Harry Maguire. Well, Ronaldo did not like that. The only word I could use, really, is sulk. He threw down his jacket, sat on the stairs rather than sitting on a seat with the players, and was heard to say to the manager, why me? Well, that's Cristiano Ronaldo for you. We'll see if he stays at Manchester United with rumours that he might be moving in this January transfer window. Thanks, Stuart. A reminder again, we've got a daily show on the Africa Cup of Nations called Cameroon Roars. You can listen online, on radio and on our app. And to download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.